this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, this next message is nothing short of life-changing. It is absolutely changing uh, the way I, I see how Jesus works, the way I, the way that I work in relation to Him, and uh, this this message is given by some missionaries, uh, some foreign missionaries, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. The first part is kind of an orientation to the foreign field that they serve in, the country that they serve in, but the second part is the message that I'm so excited for you to listen to as well. So listen in and be blessed. And I know you all are enjoying it so much. Well, we are going to tag team tonight, if that's okay. And Chrissy's going to bring a message for us tonight. And uh, last time, I remember very specifically, she shared the mission window and I preached. We're going to reverse that tonight. So it's kind of one of the things um, I think a lot in missions and I think a lot in ministry um, where husband and wife share in ministry, and and for us, we always have, and it just works really great. God's call on Chrissy as, as also as a minister, missionary, and uh, we do it all together. So I know um, I'm just really excited the the things that Pastor shared and and just that sense that God has a word tonight for us and. Um, really a call, I think, to our lives to respond to a very specific word. And how many of y'all like that when God's very specific with us? I, I just think it's, it's one of those things that um, uh, becomes that landmark piece. I love the places when, especially we look at the Old Testament and those, those uh, men and women of God that would actually make places, altars, or moments of memory or memorial stones that were placed that just signified this is where God met me. This is where God spoke something very specifically to us as the people of God. And so um, I think it's okay if this is one of those nights. Is that all right? Yeah, I think so. Well, um, I'm going to really do my best to watch my time so that she has enough time. And oh, and she's looking at me, and she'll give me countdowns and stuff. So she has full permission to do that. So um, sometimes it works. Um, I, I sometimes I do this, sometimes I don't. But I just are y'all okay to learn another language? Yeah. All right. So if we were in Estonia tonight. I could say tere, and that would be hello, but I'm going to make it more difficult for y'all, because y'all are fast learners, I can tell, and uh, I I heard Spanish tonight already, you know, it's just, I love hearing Spanish, Um, but you need to work on your Estonian, okay, because I think it's very possible you're going to have some teams coming to Estonia. Is that okay? And to be thinking that way, um, we love to have teams come from local congregations and come and serve with us. And we were just talking, I mean, right before service started, but, but God has used teams from different parts of the world to come and serve with us. Some of them are prayer teams, some of them are serving teams, and they just, they just come and, and give and help however 
However, they are either gifted as a team, um, they're calling, just kind of the specifics of who they are, but they come and they bring so much that literally when they leave, it just moves us forward. And so we get to look back at that and just say, thank you, God, for an amazing team that has come and helped move this church plant or, or, or to move our new believers along. So anyway, so you've got to learn Estonian, all right? So, so the first word, obviously, is tere, everybody. Tere. Very good. Y'all that can roll those R's, you're doing really good. So the next one is utust. So it's kind of got to come back from the back, back side of your mouth. Utust. Utust. Very good. Utust. So that's evening. So hello or good evening is the way that kind of comes out. And then we finish with kirikupere. Kirikupere. That's church family. All right. So we put those all together. Tere, utust, kirikupere. All right. I lost you, didn't I? All right, so let's go back to Tere, Utust, Kirikupere. You did awesome. You're ready to roll. So now all I got to do is just work on the money, right? All right. Pastor, thank you. Thank you all so much for allowing us to be back with you tonight. And um, for Chrissy and I, um, I think every missionary really feels this way deep down inside. You just love coming back and being able to share at least in part some of the story of what God's been doing over a period of time. And for us, it's been the planting of a church that's now three and a half years old, and it's not far from being able to be fully, completely into uh, the leadership hands of our Estonian brothers and sisters, and we're excited about that. We're looking forward to the next planting work, and so that's already moving forward. And I can I give you a little hint of what that might look like? Because this real it's a prayer hint, okay? It's not just to gossip with you, okay? It really is, it's a prayer hint. It's probably going to be towards Russian speaking um, that live in our community. So in our community, we have 60,000 people. We're the only church, only church. Among 60,000 people in our community, a little over 40% are ethnic Russian or Russian speakers. So there's a diversity of those speakers. Um, But you all know some of the unique parts of what's been going on with a war in our part of the world. And so I'll share a little bit about that in just a minute because we're excited about what God is doing in our city and um, even in the new church plant. It's um, sometimes ministry is a little messy, right? And there are things that happen, and sometimes they create struggles and tensions, and obviously this war has, and certainly in our part of the world, it has produced uh, a lot of tension and struggle. But we're seeing God at work in some very unique ways. So now, for us on a Sunday morning, um, the services are English, Estonian, and Russian. And um, we believe that God is, has really been making it clear there needs to be a Russian congregation that will minister because we've got 40-something percent in our community that are Russian speakers. And some are Ukrainian. And again, some are Estonians that their background, ethnic background, is Russian. And, and so um, 
I won't give you everything, but I, we do want you to look at the table and we'll be back there after the service and we'll do our very best to answer any questions you have, okay? So if I don't answer a question while we're speaking, you just ask us later, all right? Okay, we're gonna be happy to do that. I want you to see something and it, it's a map. And I know, unless you like geography, you probably don't get super excited about maps and things, but I, I love locations because to me it's, it's far more than the location when we drive through West Texas or in just the countryside or wherever we're going and you pass through a town. For me, I'm always wondering what was this town like in its heyday? What were the influences? What drove the, what's driven the economy? What are these people like here? What are their needs? Well, when we look at this, you can see where a stone, we want you to know where it's at. A lot of people ask, Pastor already asked that question, right? Where in the world is Estonia? And it really is probably the number one question we get. But it is in a very, very unique place, and we're right below Finland, two hours across, you can see Tallinn, two hours across the Baltic Sea is Helsinki. And you can get across there on a, on a ferry just 45 miles away. But it does tell a lot about its culture. It's a Scandinavian culture. And, and if you just think about it, and when you're looking at that map, you think, well, what, what kind of food do they eat over there, right? And I can tell you this, they drink some of the best coffee in the world. Now you're all ready to come, aren't you? Yeah, I just say the coffee word. and you, No, I'm serious. They love the cafe experience. In fact, the Estonians just as a whole, they're very introverted. That's a part of that Scandinavian part of who they, they are. They're tall. We're like the midget missionaries, but they're super tall. And, and many of them are blonde-headed and blue-eyed. So just, just think of what you normally think of as you think of the Scandinavian culture. But they're very introverted. But the cafe is many times my place to get to connect and talk to people that I'm just bumping into over a cup of coffee and there are the opportunities not just to get to know each other but to begin to hear the heart because somehow somehow when you put that cup of coffee out there that nice latte with really good coffee it begins to open the heart no i think I think we already heard the holy spirit's opening the heart right and uh, i just i can't go into all of it tonight cuz it's just one of those parts of the scripture that's just so significant to me and it just been inside my heart for uh, months and months and months but it's Paul speaking to the Philippian church and this is like 12 10 or 12 years after he first went to the city of Philippi and you all know all those stories right from Acts 16 so meeting Lydia and those other ladies at the at the river at the prayer meeting that's going on and just the miracles begin to happen and if if you haven't read it in a while you need to go back but he calls them in his letter 10 to 12 years later somewhere in there he says that word partner he says you've been my partners now listen to this church so important you've been my partners from the first day everybody catch that from the first day so in other words for the Philippian believers when did missions begin day one 
When did they start carrying a heart? When did they begin to sense God's heart for the world? Day one. But together with him, they were in, the word is koinonia. We sometimes think that's all about a potluck dinner. It's not. It's a deep fellowship connected to the mission of God. Together, we with you and you with us, we are in partnership in God's work. The mission of God to reach the Estonians. Well, I got to move on so Chrissy can come and share the word. I want you to see a couple of people, and I just want to share a little of their story. Um, Let's go to the young man named Nikita. I think he's number two. Yeah. Um, It's just amazing, this young man. He kind of represents very typical Estonian. He actually is Russian, ethnic Russian, and... and, um, but he speaks Estonian and has lived in Estonia most of his life. And he's one of those young guys that God put into our pathway. And um, he just liked to argue. He had projects and things he wanted to accomplish and do and, and be a part of this cause and that cause, whether it was ecology or politics or whatever. So it seemed like almost every conversation turned into an argument. But we enjoyed our arguments. And God was working in his life and in his heart. And it really came down to the God thing because he's Russian uh, Orthodox. And really, you know, post being baptized as a baby and just periodically visiting the, the, the temple, there, there just wasn't much of an understanding or relationship and never sure if anyone, you could even really know God. But... The work began, and the talking, and the meeting, and the praying, and, you know, just those discussion points, and a few arguments in there. But God opened his heart, just like he did Lydia's heart, and he welcomed Jesus into his life. But I just love it. Chrissy just asked him back in January or February, and, and just said, hey, Nikita, what's the biggest difference that God's made in your life? And he said, it's really simple. He said, I never thought it was ever possible to connect with God. But he said, now I know I can. I have a relationship with God. But I love this part. He said, you know, and the other part is this. He said, I didn't even used to like people, but now I do. (laughs) He said, I even love them now. That's Jesus. That's a real work of God. Um, Chrissy, why don't you come? Why she's coming, I, I, I want to share this because we do get asked this many, many times. Um, what is happening with the war situation and refugees and so forth? And we were already talking about it. But I want you to see this picture. And it, it looks like a room filled with moms and kids because it is. Um, the refugees started coming to Estonia. Back in April, there's now over 50,000 that are in Estonia. We're a small country. It raised the population of our nation by almost 3% in a matter of six months. But the Estonians as a whole, the government, which was just incredible, opened its arms and has done everything that they could to do 
what they could to welcome the Estonia, uh, the Ukrainians and, and Russians with them. Russians left Ukraine as well. So don't be fooled by everything we hear within the media. Russians have left as well and have begun to come. And it's not always an easy tension. There's, just, there's struggles with that. But God has been at work, and this is, this is the building where we meet. We're on the fourth floor uh, of an office building, and you see all that glass. Well, it goes all the way around this way, and we look right into the city zoo. We're right next to the entrance of the city zoo, and we never have a problem having kids wanting to come to church, I can tell you that, where they get to see the snow leopards and the elephants and, you know, mountain goats, all of that every Sunday, free, right? And so, and... Uh, but these kids, these are mostly, or many of these are Ukrainian moms and gathered together with Estonian believing moms and the kids together to play together and hear music together and to see what God will begin to do in their lives. And so we just pray this or ask this, that, that you as a church join with us because we, we just know there's, there's a lot that's ahead. And we need to navigate this by the Spirit of God. It's not just, oh, we have Ukrainians in the house or, or we have Russians that are coming to the church or that's the next plant or whether it's the university that's just down the street and the Chi, Chi Alpha needs to be started there and a campus, a church needs to be started and planted. In, there's so much. But these hearts, they're needy and there is so much that we need to hear from God and know from God how to serve and love and help them to be followers of Jesus, just like you and I, right? How many of you will pray? Thank you for that. All right, Chrissy, come and share the word. Thank you. Oh, it is a joy to be with you all tonight. Um, There are certain places that we go that just kind of stick in my heart, and this is one of those places. And I know why. It's because of your heart. It's like... Just worshiping with you tonight has felt like I went home. So thank you. Thank you for that. And in your heart for the world, just walking in the room and seeing that on the wall and seeing what you're, you're doing and reaching around the world, your heart. Wow, my heart's right there with you. Wow, thank you. Thank you for that. Tonight, um, as Bob has shared, we know that what God is doing in Estonia is because of partners like you. And what he talked about, that koinonia, that partnership, it's not just we sit down and it's a light thing. This is deep level commitment relationship, and we do more together because of that. That's the, the, the thing. And we realize, you know, it's not just us. It's us together seeing God's kingdom and God's mission go forward. So thank you. I say that with all sincerity. Thank you for what you're doing around the world. Amen. I do believe that God has given a word to me and placed it in my heart. And I, I believe that it's going to bring encouragement to you uh, much. It's kind of the journey. I heard a sermon 
about six years ago, before we went back to Estonia, and we were going back with the intention to plant, and I heard this sermon from Jim Hennessy, and he preached on a passage that probably all of us have read many times, and that's where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And I thought, wow, but that sermon made such an impact upon my life, and upon the next years that followed, and what I'm going to share with you are some of those things worked out in our lives uh, from that passage, that passage of feeding the 5,000. You know, as I began to look at it, I thought there is um, something significant about this. This feeding of the 5,000, this story is in all four of the Gospels. And there's just not that much. It's in all four of the Gospels. The passion is in all four of the Gospels. The, um, but this is included. Even the story of the birth and the coming of Jesus is only in two of them. And so it began to make me sit up and take notice. Why is this recorded in every one of the Gospels? What is it that Jesus is trying to tell us and communicate to us about faith and about his mission that is in this story, that is pivotal? So it's kind of perked me up and made me lean in and say, show us. Because we see in the Old Testament... And we all have read this many times throughout the Bible and the scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the place where the children of Israel have fled in Egypt, they get to the Red Sea, and it's an impossible situation. They have the the Egyptian army on one side, they have the Red Sea on the other side, and we know what happened. That's the place where God made a way for them to go through. And they look back at it for thousands of years after that going, that's the time when God made a way when impossible situations were, we went through. What is Jesus saying to us from this feeding of the 5,000 that he's trying to encourage us that now I'm bringing you into another level of relationship with me? What does he have to say to us? And it really is. It all starts at impossible situations. The children of Israel were in an impossible situation. We find ourselves in impossible situations. And I would say today, probably on multiple levels, we find ourselves in impossible situations. There may be an impossible person in your life, and you say, it's impossible. They have never changed. They always act like this. There's no way that it will change. Impossible situation. There may be that there's a financial situation that you're facing. You're thinking, there's no way. The numbers do not add up. Impossible. There may be even an an obstacle in your way, and you say, there's no way for me to move this obstacle, but yet there's a way because of Jesus. He leads us to impossible situations. So tonight we're going to talk about impossible situations. And from the passage that I've chosen to to speak from is Mark chapter 6. And it picks up, the story picks up, in verse, I want to make sure I say this right, because I'm in Mark chapter 8. That's what the problem is. 35. We're going to pick up 
at 35. And we're going to read this. I'll read it. The whole passage is a little bit lengthy, but we'll read it together and it'll give us the context of the story. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed that day. Impossible situation. And you know, one thing that we notice, if you read back in the first part of Mark chapter 6, what you see is this starts out with Jesus when he sent out the disciples two by two. And they go out on their mission. They've been on mission. They come back from mission. And they're talking to Jesus and they're reporting everything that they've done, everything that they taught. They're reporting it back. And Jesus says to them, let's go to a quiet place so you can get some rest. This was Jesus's idea. And he says the reason why is because they were so busy they didn't even have time to eat. Now, how many of us have gotten to that place in our life that we're so busy? It seems like we're so busy, so busy with so many things that we don't have enough time for me. It's not the disciples that are saying, and I, I myself, I thought, you know, they're saying, send the people away so I can have my time again. That wasn't it at all. The time was from Jesus. It was his idea to come away and have, to a quiet place and for rest. It was Jesus that wants to bring this to them. And these disciples, when they saw this, they weren't being dumb disciples. Sometimes they were dumb disciples. And you're going, why could you do that? No, this was not that time. They were on the top of their game. And they came, they saw a problem. They figured out an answer. They were being proactive. They were doing what you would hope that they would grow up to do. Oh, Jesus. And then Jesus' response to them was, you feed them. Don't send him away. You do something. He wasn't being mean to them. He was, it was like he was calling them to attention. This is the pivotal moment in this story here where he calls us to the impossible. You know, tonight, if Jesus said, okay, you, all of us, y'all go feed 5,000 people, we would be hard-pressed tonight to find enough bread for 5,000 people. And here they were, and they're like, 
their response. How? We'd have to work. We would have to work. We would have to do. I loved it. When our sister said tonight, she made one statement. And she said this. She said, we, we keep doing things, but it's not our doing. I'm paraphrasing you. I'm trying to get exactly right. It's not our doing. It's Jesus. That's what he's trying to get. He, they went immediately to what we do. It's us doing. We have to. It wasn't them having to do. It's Jesus. It's Jesus there. And he, and he leads us to this impossible. He's the one that brings them to this impossible situation. And he says, you do something. You know what? Following Jesus leads us to impossible situations. Our impossible situation was Estonia. In 2011, Estonia was given the title, the least religious nation in the world. How? And, and that's the first thing that ever comes. They put where it is a badge of honor. Why are you here starting a church? Don't you know? We're the least religious nation. We don't have anything to do with a religion. Our response is, we don't want religion either. We're, we want you to come into a relationship with Jesus in possible situation. Jesus leads us to impossible situations. And the reason why, and this is the takeaway tonight, is because Jesus is trying to get us to come to this place of realizing that there is only one way to live, and that is it requires faith. Our life requires faith. If we can do it on our own, we haven't gotten to Jesus' plan yet. It requires faith. The life that he has for us requires faith. And then the second part is that there's an invitation for us to participate. So that takeaway right there, my life, that I really do believe this is what Jesus is trying to say in this feeding of the 5,000. I'm inviting you to a life that requires faith and invites you to participate with me to do the impossible. To do the impossible. And so Jesus then turns to him and says, okay, go find out what you have. You know what? We all have something. It may seem like nothing, but there is something. We have something. They came back with five loaves and two fish. And I'm telling you, these loaves were not like ginormous super loaves of bread. No. This was a little boy. His mother packed his lunch. How much, how much bread do you think that mother sent with that boy? Do you think? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at him going, there's no way she put, you know, ginormous. It was five loaves. Enough for a child, and there was 5,000 people. They had something, but it wasn't enough. And that is our life. We have something. What is the something that we have? In Estonia, we had a dream to plant a church. We had a calling. We had friends that sent us, like you all, that partnered with us. We had a team. We had something. But is it enough? To do what God desires. Not near. Not near enough. But then Jesus says, put that into my hands. And I love this part. He takes it 
And then he looks up to heaven and he blesses it. Now, I'm pretty sure this blessing wasn't the blessing that we hear sometimes at our time. Oh, geez. Oh, Father, do you see there's not enough food here? You keep, we are in big trouble. You better help us here now. Make this stretch out. No, that's not the blessing of the, that Jesus was speaking. I'm really pretty convinced it wasn't. When we look into the Bible and, and there's blessing it almost always goes back to fruitfulness. God's blessing brings fruitfulness out. <laughs> That's his blessing. And, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I have heard God's blessing over our community. I know what my thoughts are. Or, man, it's hard. Why, you know, how can we even reach these people? We have no idea how to. They don't want us, and, and we don't know how to convey it. It's hard. What is the blessing on this community? But if I could listen to what Jesus would say over our community in Estonia, and I believe that he has a blessing for your community, I would hear him say something like this. Father, take this little bit that's not enough and show your glory. Your kingdom is near. Let your kingdom be glorified. Let your, you, Father, be glorified. And your kingdom has come. Let it be, you be glorified in this place through this little bit. God, let the fruitfulness of your spirit happen. Now, sometimes that fruitfulness is not what we count. We don't realize what that, but there is a fruitfulness. What is that fruitfulness? It's God's kingdom being expressed in our impossible situations. Oh, Jesus is speaking a blessing. Are we hearing the blessing? Are we just doing, listening to our own thoughts? We may be in a terrible relationship, and we think there's, it's an impossible relationship. And all we have is these negative thoughts going around in our head. We need to stop that and listen to his blessing. Then he takes the bread, and they are close enough to, in proximity to begin to see him to break the bread. Now, this breaking of the bread, Jesus is really good at breaking of the bread. We start realizing, remembering times in the scripture where Jesus took bread, and he's breaking it. You know, at the Last Supper, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you see this breaking, it, you're remembering, I came to this earth. I, I came on a mission. I have a plan. I have a purpose. There was things that happened that shifted all of eternity because of what's happened here. I'm breaking the bread. Do this in remembrance. I mean, then I begin to remember about the two guys on the road to Emmaus. And, you know, as Jesus is walking with them, their hearts burning. They're like, man, these guys' words are setting me on fire. And they beg him, come to our table tonight. And it wasn't until Jesus picked up the bread and he began to break the bread and they saw and they realized that's Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus reveals himself in that breaking of the bread? Am I close enough to him to see him breaking the bread, revealing himself? Am I getting close enough to him to see him revealing his his plan, his purpose, his ways in my life. 
That's what those disciples did. And then I love the next part. It says that Jesus just kept breaking it. And he just keeps breaking it. And he keeps working. He just keeps working in your life, in my life, in our community, in your community. He keeps breaking the bread. And then he, he hands it. He hands it to the disciples. Now here's their participation. Now pass it out. And they take it and they just start passing it out. And they just take the next step. Do you realize that wasn't, they were, there was a miracle in the midst, but it wasn't like, whoa, 5,000 loaves of bread. Now, okay, now we're going to distribute it. All that God has done. We see the miracle. Now we can distribute it. No, that's not the way it worked. The miracle happened because they had faith. They trusted him and they took the next step. What's that next step look like? I can't tell you what your next step looks like. I know that as we were looking to plant that church in Estonia in an impossible situation, the next step we're praying, God, what is the next step? We want to love families. How do we love families? And one little simple idea comes out. Love kids. You want to love families? Love kids. How do you love kids? Play. Kids love to play. That's their love language. And so we started with a family sports day where we, in our community, and we may have a picture of that. Do you see that? Family sports day where we actually, um, is that on there? No, you do not get to see the picture afterwards at the table. You will get to... (laughs) You come see me, I'll show you. No, I probably told him to take it off. It's probably on me. Family Sports Day in our community, in our apartment complex, we went to the playground. We invited all the neighbors to come out. Was it amazing? You know how amazing? Jump rope. Can you do this? Oh, yeah. You can be a part of Family Sports Day. Face painting, bubbles. Can you blow bubbles? Bubbles. It's nothing great and grand. It was loving kids through play. That first night when we did that, we did that five times in our apartment complex. We did it really all over our city, um, our area of the city where we're planting. But in our apartment complex five times. After that first night, one of our Estonian friends was out on the, our balcony. And our balcony neighbor came out. And she said, okay, tell me, who are you really? And she said, what do you mean? She said, we've never had anyone love our our family like this. It's our not enough that we give to Jesus, that he blesses, and then he breaks, and in the middle of it, he's working and producing his life. He's doing that. He keeps doing it. And so our response is is not like leaping steps of faith. Oh, I've got to get ready. I've got to get courage. I've got to take this great giant. No, that's really not normally the way God works. It's take the next step. And you know, a next step, it's not that far. It doesn't seem so amazing. It's not the miracle already, already there. And then we distribute it. It's not that. It's just the next step. What is your next step? I can't tell you what that is, but I know this. I know Jesus is there with you personally in your next step. 
What's your next step in that financial issue? What's your next step in that job situation? What's your next step in that relationship is with that difficult person that seems like it will never change or even a difficult office that it seems like they will never be able to work it out. What's your next step? Jesus knows what that is. He's breaking the bread, showing you what that is. Take the next step. Take the next step. What they saw was this. The disciples, they didn't see the miracle until everyone was fed and they began to pick up the pieces. And when they began to pick up the pieces, it was like, wow, when did that happen? When, when did 12 baskets full of leftovers come? And that's what it is. It's when we, after we just keep taking the next step of faith, we just keep participating that next, then we, we see, wow, God's been at, God has been at work. Jesus has been revealing himself through our lives and we didn't even realize it because we're just taking the next step. He's establishing his kingdom. We're just taking the next step. In Estonia, one of our next steps, we started looking around. Wow, people's lives were changing. People like Natalia. Natalia, when I first met her, so much anxiety. Her life was just, she was just bound up with anxiety. But after coming to know Jesus and walking with her, that change that he brings... She is now, you look at her life, it's marked with peace and joy. And that's all the transformation that comes. In our community, we have a social system. And the social workers there ask us, they said, um, can you help us with the most difficult family we have in our social worker system? Uh, Evica. Evica had been in the social system for 15 years. She had adult children all the way down to kids still in grade school. And they said, we've done everything that we know to do to help Evika, and it hadn't helped. We're at the end. If you can't help her, we'll have to remove the children and try to, you know, just dissolve the, the family unit. Okay, impossible situation. <laughs> what happened? Evica came to know Jesus. And you know what? It, the next step, sometimes the next step, it's like you step in mud. <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets messy. And then sometimes it's like you step up and you're like, wow, when did that happen? And over time, what we've seen is a transformation in Evica's life. And that transformation has made those social workers, they have sat up and they've said, Wow, we can't believe the change in her life. And we know it's because of your God. That is what Jesus is doing when he's working. He's breaking bread. And we're taking the next steps. And things happen. You realize that, that I'm, gonna, I'm coming. Oh, geez. I didn't realize I was talking so much. Okay. <laughs> oh, God is at work in those next steps. And what I love is after this, in, in Mark, you see, Jesus feeds 4,000. And then by the time you get to Mark chapter 8, 
the disciples are, are taking a little boat ride again and they forgot the bread. And they start arguing about the bread. And they're saying, oh man, we didn't bring the bread. You were supposed to bring, they're arguing about it. And in verse, let me read this to you. In, um, in verse 17, it says, Jesus knew what they were saying. And he says, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 loaves of bread, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, can you bring me that cup of water on the floor? I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry about that. <clears throat> when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Twelve, they said. When I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? And this is what I bring us to tonight, the conclusion. Jesus is telling us it's not about our circumstances that are impossible. There are, we are in impossible circumstances. We have them personally. We have them together. How do we reach our community? He says it's not about the circumstances. It's not whether or not we have bread or don't have bread. It's our heart. It's our heart. Come close to hear my words of blessing. Come close to see me breaking the bread. The miracle is there if our heart is joined to, to his. It's not what we do. We get to participate, but it's our faith. He, it requires faith. It requires, our life requires faith. So tonight, that's where I really do come to. And I, I, I want to invite you to reach out to God. I don't know what your impossible situation is. I don't know what your next step is. But he does. He does. And so I want to just give us a moment to pray. And just let our hearts be drawn near to him tonight. Let him speak into our hearts. What is that next step, Father? Let him tell us those things.